Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is rush hour. This is rush hour. 8 a.m. Rush hour starts a little earlier in time, actually, as you probably can see from the traffic when you uh, got up. There's a lot of people going to work early. Looks like there's a line this morning. Yeah. Ian Tiger. For you, same? Yeah. Colds? Let's do That's how we do it. All right, let's do it. Tiger and Tiger and Tiger Fall. Look at the cup. See that? Incredible. See that condensed milk going there? That is the taste of Thai iced tea. It always comes out that muddy color, which is kind of the color of our rivers, you know, when, when it rains, that's the kind of general color that you see streams flowing. <laughs> so, so it's kind of a Thai iced tea. It's an homage to the city. <laughs> kind of, yeah. That bird call you hear is coming from an Asian coal, but the real soundtrack of Bangkok is the internal combustion engine, the mopeds and the Mazda 2s. It is a city in perpetual motion, so just be sure to look both ways before crossing. This is the first of three episodes we'll be running from Thailand, right here in Bangkok and up north in Chiang Mai. I'm starting off with this man, Tom Waller, a Thai-Irish filmmaker who took me for a classic Bangkok morning fix, that's roadside Thai iced tea, and chatted with me at his home studio about a big film he's making, The Cave. It's the only Thai-led film in the works about the dramatic cave rescue in Chiang Rai last year. Tom and I talked about smog, tea, and filmmaking in the kingdom of Thailand. This is Nathan Thornburg, and you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. All right, here we go. So it is a beautiful morning in Bangkok, rush hour around eight o'clock. Beautiful, despite the fact that it's a a smog out and uh, your daughters are here they should be at school, but they're, they're not now because the government has decided that this would be the best thing to do with all the pollution is to just cancel school. Just cancel it altogether. <laughs> the government clearly uh, run by a fifth grader who doesn't want to go <laughs> into well, school. Well, you see, I'm spo- I've got a military-styled mask here. This is cam- a camouflage mask because we're in a military government right now. That's my little... That's right. You have a prime minister who's a retired general and a songwriter who uh, just dropped a, a track I was reading called In Memory uh, last month, or this month, talking about how painful it was to live through the political instability before the government was run by the military or something. It's all very strange around here, but the good things about Bangkok, at least for the casual observer uh, on my walk over to your place this morning, are still there. The air feels good. It's warm. The street food is amazing. We've got this Thai iced tea. This looks a lot like the Thai iced tea that we might have in the States. I mean, this is something that that people in Bangkok actually drink for breakfast. Like I was mentioning earlier on it, it kind of gets better as the ice melts because it's sort of it's so concentrated at the, with sugar at the, at the beginning 
that you kind of get a sense of you're going to become diabetic if you eat, if you drink too many of these. But now the ice is melted. It's getting it's less sweet. I, I kind of like it better actually. The good news about Bangkok, even at the end of January, is the ice melts very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> it always has that going for it. So you are a filmmaker. You had mentioned the government, but one of the things that filmmakers have to reckon with in this country in a lot of countries is getting their work past the government and that's been something that you've talked about with movies like The Last Executioner um, which I just watched on Netflix and I would imagine especially with this movie coming out The Cave which is about the rescue of the Thai soccer team that had been stuck and the kind of captured the world's attention uh, in their drama so tell me about that movie and and whether there's extra pressure because this is such an iconic Thai story and you've got to get it right and people are going to be watching. And well, it's kind of the uncensored story. I mean, we're subject to censorship in that every Thai film has to be seen by the censor committee before they can show it in the cinemas. But we're able to make the film without passing the script through any government body. So this was the key to being able to make the film quickly because as soon as you have to go through a committee, then you're talking about weeks or months of just procrastination. And, and this was really why I was able to jump on the story was because I am a Thai national, I have a Thai passport, I'm living here and I have a Thai company. And technically we were able to make the film as a Thai film. And of course, as you know, it was an international rescue effort. It wasn't just Governor Narongsak and a bunch of Thai seals. It was a multinational effort to get these boys out. And I think a lot of people don't realize how many foreigners were involved in actually extricating the boys from the cave. That was really the thing that surprised me even when I heard the story for the first time from one of the foreign divers. I was amazed at how little the Thai authorities had to do with the final plan. The final mission to extract them was almost entirely a foreign effort. That's kind of fascinating because one of the reasons why you wanted to make it quickly is because Hollywood has its sights on this film and I guess the government here is waiting for that huge production company to come in so they've put a lot of the characters and locations kind of off limits even to you as a Thai director. That was the challenge of making the film without permission is that you don't have access to government agencies. You, you can't just say, hey, can we get a helicopter? You can't just say, can we go shoot in the cave? It was very difficult to get access and we lobbied for months and you know we only recently were granted access because they, they ran out of excuses and the, and the government's now you know in their final throes, they, they've just announced an election. So in fact, the Ministry of Culture suddenly got on board the film and said, oh, well, you've, you've already made the film. Yeah, we think we can probably make a phone call and see whether you can uh, go in there and pick, get some shots or, or whatever. And that came as a kind of a relief because all this time we've been navigating through the bureaucracy of trying to do something which had government involvement. You know, no one wants to talk to you. It's a sensitive subject for the SEALs that their lips are their lips are literally sealed. I mean, yeah. you know, you can't get accurate information from their side. But what you can do is talk to Americans, to the Brits, to the foreign divers. Yeah, you can read about it now because they've all written books and they're, now, they're, they're coming out with yeah. more information. But you can get accurate information from the foreign participants because they're not controlled by, Thai, by the Thai government. Right. And that's really where my story comes in. I've got first-hand information from a lot of the unsung heroes of the rescue. So 
my film really concentrates on the untold stories of the unsung heroes. You know, it's interesting when you talk about competition for this film, I had seen that John Chu, who who directed Crazy Rich Asians, had tweeted out, you know, that can't whitewash the don't want them to whitewash the story. I'm not gonna let them whitewash the story. Right. But but the story you're telling is is a little white. It's not that it's white. I mean, it's, it's, it's I mean, embedded in a Thai narrative. So the story takes place in, in the north of Thailand. So everyone speaks the language that they would have spoken at the time of the incident. So the northern Thai rice farmers, they speak in northern Thai. The Thai authorities, for the most part, speak in Thai language because they're on TV or they're talking to their military advisors. The foreign cast in the film they do not speak thai they come and they speak the language of their nationality so it's a multilingual multinational film in a way because we have a lot of foreigners a lot of the foreign divers play themselves so mm. i have a finnish diver i've got a canadian diver we've got this belgian it's, it's Irish a fictional diver. movie but these these guys it's a fictionalized version but these guys are coming in and playing themselves in some cases it's based on a true story and right. it's, it's inspired by the real events yeah. and it's the attention to detail is there in that the the divers would not have played themselves yeah. if they felt that they were doing something phony or they were like hamming it up you know so they they play themselves because they are the most qualified participants of yeah. the film because they were also the participants of the rescue it kind of brings up so many fascinating things and this is part of the issue that we see in hollywood when you have someone like john chu who's now a legit hollywood power is sort of coming in and it's saying a huge power you know saying hey we're not going to whitewash it meanwhile he's son of taiwanese and sichuan immigrants who grew up in los altos and like you have an irish father and a Thai mother, but you're a Thai director. You live here. This is your... I've made Thai films. <laughs> you, you make Thai films. All of your other films, the ones that you can find on Netflix, including Mindfulness and Murder. Are both in Thai language. Both yeah. in Thai language. So it just, it, to me, it's really fascinating to think about how the version of your story, like you said, it's going to surprise Thai audiences how much there was foreign involvement because that's not something they were even fed. They saw the news on Thai TV. They saw it through Thai newspapers. You know, we in the, the rest of the world saw things unfold on CNN. We saw it unfold on whatever national news program was playing in the country where you were at the time of the rescue. It was international news. People were watching the news and their hearts were beating. It was kind of the only thing that mattered was, have they been found? Are they out of the cave yet? And when Saman Kunan passed away, this was like a a huge thing, for not just for Thailand, because it was almost like everyone went into national mourning for this man who they didn't even know. But they... This was the rescue diver who... who he was actually an ex-Navy SEAL. And, okay. And he became a symbol of the sacrifice uh, that people had made. And he made... He obviously paid the ultimate sacrifice and, and lost his life in the mission. So things became very somber. The mood of the nation was very somber for a few days before those boys came out. Because a man had lost their life. And it was now, oh, it actually is really dangerous. You know, what are we going to do? The SEALs are some of the most qualified people that Thailand has, and even they couldn't survive the cave, you know. So it became like a, a real problem for the authorities here. It was like, how do we move forward, you know, without losing any more lives? And that's when they called on civilian divers to come and assist them. And it was civilian divers, you know, recreational cave divers that really helped to get these boys out because they were the ones with the skills for this very specific set of circumstances.
the film that you have is in process. You you have finished shooting. You're in production. We're in post production now. Post production. Yeah. When is it going to the censors? Uh, we would probably show the film to censors uh, in April when the film is kind of done. After the March twenty four election. Well, luckily, there's an election called, and uh, luckily, it won't be Prigut's government. I don't think censoring the film. That's the songwriting ex-general prime minister <laughs> who you don't want to be in charge of sort of deciding whether you're upholding Thai dignity uh, through your it, It's not really about Thai dignity. I think we do uphold Thai dignity and there is a lot of patriotic symbolism in the film and there's a lot of scenes which show Thai seals doing their job but we were not given access to first-hand information of the operation from the Thai side. We have reports and we, we know from the news and we know from first-hand accounts of the foreigners what happened but when it comes to the, the Thai story, I've centered on characters who are kind of bystanders or people not directly involved in the command chain. You know, so there's, there's one national story that had played out in the media with the certain characters that were well known, like the governor of Chiang Rai and so on. And that's not the story you're telling. And that's why not. you're concerned. Or well, I mean, I, I tell the story of the rice farmers whose fields were flooded. I tell the story of a water pump engineer who can't get access to the cave because he hasn't got the right permit. You know, everywhere in Thailand, there's going to be someone who says you can't come in because you haven't got the right, you know, you, you haven't got the right visa, you haven't got the right paperwork. And that's something, that's a theme that sort of comes out in in the movie is that, you know, it's the bureaucracy of Thailand actually made it very difficult for people to help, local people to help, because there were no names. They came along and they just were like, oh, I've got a water pump, I want to help. And they're like, sorry, you can't come in. You don't have the right permit to be in here. How do you get in? Whereas the foreigners were welcomed with open arms because they had specialist skills that the Thais maybe didn't have. For example, cave diving is a very specific skill. You know, you always go in with two cylinders, not one. You know, you can't just come up like open water diving when you need air. You need to have an extra tank in case you run out of oxygen. So this is kind of one of the things that they saw when Saman died was like, hey, we need specialist skilled divers for this. Even our own guys aren't going to make it. So they welcomed them to come and help in the final hand of bringing them out. And in fact, those boys were extracted only by foreign divers. I mean, the 13 foreign divers who were involved in that final plan, they weren't Thai. They had come from all over the planet. There was a Finnish diver who flew from Malta. There was a Belgian diver who flew from Ireland. There was a Canadian diver who usually teaches on Koh Tao, and he came up to help in the rescue. So it was, an, it was kind of like recruiting the Avengers, you know, but these guys were just civilians. They were people who didn't have commanders. They didn't have any military person in charge of them. So it was really a remarkable effort that was played out by normal people. And I think that's what's the, the most fascinating thing about the rescue and what's really incredible in the film is to see the selflessness of these guys who dropped everything to get on a plane and come to Thailand. And some of them had no links to Thailand at all. All they mm. saw was the boys on the news and the news of the diver who passed away. And they said, I need to be there. I can help. So you won't have a scene in there of Elon Musk and his hyperbaric chamber tweeting out you're a pedophile to one of these one of these volunteer divers. well you know people keep asking who's playing elon musk and i kind of say to people well actually the elon musk doesn't he's not played by anyone he's a he's a real person 
So we allude to the fact that he tried to help and we have his, in fact, his tweets in the film, not that tweet, but the, the you know, the submarine mm. is something that we acknowledge. And uh, we don't sort of shy away from saying, listen, everyone on the planet had an interest in this story and wanted to help the kids, including people like Elon Musk. And it just so happens that one of our characters that we follow ran into a guy from SpaceX, you know, so that character's in the movie. So in fact, it, we do acknowledge that it happened, but we just don't, we stay away from you know, the more controversial aspects of a guy sending him a tweet. Or, right, or, Elon yeah. Musk's meltdown should not be kind of melting all over your film. I think it's distracting. Yeah. yeah. When you look at the story of the kind of selflessness uh, of the international community and the volunteerism of the Thai community and how they came together, and ultimately, despite the diver who, who passed away, this was a success story. Is that something that kind of gravitates to you? Like good things come out of the product of overseas and Thai? Because we know what happens at the beginning of the, of the film. You know, and we see in the film the boys getting stuck in the cave. We know what happens at the end, that they come out. If you read the news, you know that they all survived. But how do you make that into an interesting film? Because you know the beginning, you know the ending. It's the middle bit that we're really interested in. It's like, how do those boys come out alive? And how did those other divers not die? And I think the heart of the movie is the mission to bring out the 13 alive. And in fact, you know, a lot of people have dubbed the rescue, you know, 13 alive would be a great you know name for the movie or whatever and in fact the film alive about the andes crash yeah in the, in, the, in the which the film came out in the 90s that kind of inspired me to do this story because that film i remember that 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 fucked me up man that was an amazing yeah film. i mean you know it's an amazing film it's kind of morally ambiguous because it sort of says yeah you know these guys had to eat each other to survive because that's just biology that's just like nature that's how you have to survive you can't starve or else you'll die so what do you do when you have to eat your friends i mean that that that's what these kids were thinking when they're in there they're like hey we might have to eat eat each other you know we're, we're not going to be able to survive we don't have some food. but actually that's not really what my film centers on because i didn't have access to the kids so the film doesn't center on their story and that's what I think Hollywood is running around trying to get is the rights to the kids story so they can do, you know, a Goonies type version of events and have the kids going into the cave and then seeing what they're doing in the dark and meditating and the coach training them to, you know, how to stay alive. So the staying alive movie that someone else can, John Chu can do that one. Good. Yeah, he can go, do that. Go get it. You know, he can decide whether he wants to do it in Thai language or he wants to whitewash it and do it in English. Let me ask you about kind of the state of Thai cinema these days and, and kind of what you're seeing out it's there. It's horrible. I'm a judge for the Thai Film Awards. So I have to watch a lot of, you know, I watched 45 Thai movies to assess them for, you know, awards potential. And luckily there were four or five movies that really stood out. But the quality of the films in Thailand is getting, because of the budget size, because basically the box office share of Thai films is tiny now compared to what Marvel movies make. You know, the Avengers is like box office king. You know, Aquaman is king right. of the box well, office. Well, as you mentioned, The Last Executioner, which came out right after the coup, uh, your Thai language film came out right with Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it was and... sandwiched between two Leviathan Hollywood releases in the summer. So we had... You know, a monkey riding a horse on one poster and a, and a dinosaur fighting a, a robot on the other. And it was very painful to see that film, which I'd spent a year making. It's you a know, beautiful film, by the way. I would recommend everybody watch it. It's just... Um, so it's The Last Executioner is renegated to being that film that came out for a week and, and no one saw it. 
but luckily you can see it on Netflix. But but some of those same dynamics are causing issues, I guess, in Thai cinema now. Just not enough budget, it's not enough attention to it. I think this. Well, that's why this film hopefully will change things in that it'll be a Thai film that people see overseas. I hope because I think it has the subject matter that everyone is interested in, and that's really the key to any film. Really, if you want people to, see, if you want bums on seats, you better make a story that people are interested in seeing. Usually with my films, no one's interested in the filming of it. No one's interested in financing the films, and with this film, it's kind of the polar opposite. Like people are super interested in what we're doing super interested in even you know one photo from the set people went crazy because they were like oh that's that big tie act i wonder what he's playing maybe he's playing the wrong side and they went crazy with their imaginations they didn't even fact check they just kind of posted it and said yeah this guy's the lead in the film in fact he has a cameo but he's not the lead at all but he's just very famous here so it's kind of that interest in my new movie it's so unprecedented because i'm so used to kind of making movies in the dark and not no one knowing what i'm doing and no one even seeing the films and this one could be a game changer in that people might actually go and see the film fingers crossed i mean there's a that's a hell of an argument for national cinema right like you deserve the right to tell your own stories in your own way and when hollywood takes all the oxygen out of the room then a lot of countries are left not able to do that well, the best thing that the Thai government did was let me make the film. They didn't stop me. And I think that was the key to getting it done, was not being stopped. They didn't give me any permission to do it because there was no procedure. Because Thai filmmakers, they make the films and then they go and censor them before they get shown. But, you know, with a foreign film, you have to go through a committee. So John Chu will have to go through that committee. He'll have to make sure that the film doesn't overly dramatize the story, that it doesn't affect the lives of the kids after the film comes out. It doesn't sensationalize and it doesn't stray from the truth and all that kind of stuff is going to be the government's problem is dealing with how to make the story the way that they want it you know basically they're going to control the rights of the kids and make sure that the story goes the way that they want it to be told whereas my version is kind of the uncensored version and we'll have to wait and see in march when or april when the film goes through the censors to see what ends up being in the film and not I just flew in from New York about eight hours ago. You're taking an international flight now. I'm pretty pretty excited. Yeah, I'm doing we... jury service, so I have to go and watch about 15 movies in three days and decide who's, yeah. Um, I'm really excited that we got to cross paths, and uh, and uh, even for a brief time, and, and I cannot wait to see this film and, and uh, all the ones that you continue to make out here. Thanks, Tom. Thank you very much. The Trip is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg, produced by Roads and Kingdoms. Taffy Mokanyadze is our editor and is way nicer on Twitter than Elon Musk. Emily Marinoff is our producer. Music by Dan the Automator, artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Next week, we're up in Chiang Mai with an old friend of mine, the author, cook, and traveler, Naomi Duga. We'll meet you there.